Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, Episode 7. Today, we're going to be talking all about the roster changes. That's basically it. We've got a few little things at the end. Um, a Toxic Player of the Week and a little bit about some videos you can watch. And I'm also going to end this with a really helpful, motivational speech that I've been listening to recently. So it's been a little while between podcasts and there are two reasons for this. One is that I was waiting for all the roster changes to be finished and everyone to sort of settle in their new teams. Um, mainly I was sort of waiting for Olaf Meister to be confirmed as moving to phase before I addressed it all. And the second reason is personally I was going through my own roster change. Very important roster change that occurred in my life. And it was a very difficult time. And interestingly, some of the players that I'll be discussing today in terms of the roster changes had been with their teams for as long as three years, which is the same amount of time as my team of two had been going. Um, at the end of the day, perhaps it was a good run for them. Perhaps they won a major in the first year and were forever after trying to recapture that spirit. Perhaps those that were kicked were... I don't know, taken by surprise at the things that had gone unsaid by the other parties during the run. Perhaps the writing had been on the wall for a while and it was simply a matter of disentangling things on a practical level. I think what matters in a team, and uh, if you're following me on this analogy here, you'll understand what I'm talking about, is that all the team members think that there's something to be gained by staying together and that they're capable of helping each other to the next level of skill and maturity and if that goodwill isn't there the realities of the situation come into play economically these csgo teams are a business they need to make money which means having a successful presence at big tournaments that allows them to attract sponsors and just like in my relationship if you stop winning for long enough it can be very easy to get scared scared that you'll never win again and when you're young like most of the players in the pro scene uh, like my ex-partner and I are, you have options. And when you've got options, there's a fear of missing out on those options. And there's a particular millennial fear of commitment and missing out that permeates the scene, I think. Satisfaction in life, I think, comes from feeling like you've considered the options that life presents you and made a confident choice that balanced uh, reasons sorry, and emotions. Um, I don't even know what I'm banging on about. I'm already, I'm already lost up my own ass and we're only a few minutes in. Um, if I get self-indulgent in this podcast, you know it's because uh, although my split with my ex-partner was amicable uh, and I believe a good thing for both of us, there's still a hell of a lot of feelings there and a bunch of stuff that went unsaid and then I'm sure we're both going to be having to tease out in our minds and with our friends and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for a while now. I'm also recording this in an apartment surrounded by a bunch of her shit as well, so uh, that doesn't help. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's move on to the roster changes. This is not a dark thing, by the way. It, uh, it has been a tough time, but the sun is shining in more ways than one. So let's go on to uh, the roster changes. Gosh, it's been fun. There's been something new on Reddit every day for the CSGO Pro scene follower we'll start with cloud nine shroud and nothing got benched they were replaced with rush and Tarek from optic uh now these two were apparently the longest serving members excuse me i'm just wetting my whistle with a beverage uh nothing has been announced as still being a full-time streamer for cloud nine i don't understand what that means is he promoting cloud nine in his stream I don't quite get that. Are they getting a portion of his subscription money? I'm not sure. Uh, Shroud obviously has a large streaming following already, but I'm wondering who will care about him if he's not a pro anymore. Um, and all he seems to be playing is player unknown battlegrounds. So who knows what's going to happen with him? Um, 
this has been said before, but I'll say it again, obviously, nothing has a future in front of the camera if he wants. He's very quick. He's very natural on the mic. Um, but actually, I was watching an interview with him where he was talking about why Freakazoid left Cloud9, and he does mention in there that he's potentially, he was thinking about, this is back in 2016, thinking about becoming an agent, um, and which would sort of place him in a more of a mentor mentor role for younger players. Um, and I think think the moment he said that I was like oh shit yeah I can see you as a I can see you as an agent you remind me of agents I've met he's fast he's very charming and he's been through it and he's also obviously got quite a kind heart I think he'd be you know some people have talked about him being the sort of the best sort of community manager figure but the fact that he was also talking about in that same interview the players alliance that he was working on suggests to me that he's probably best off creating his own esports talent agency i mean nothing would kill it you would who else would you want to rep you if you were an up-and-coming csgo player the guy has connections with everybody he's loved by as far as i can tell everybody um and he's also respected enough that if he's got a player who's like no this guy is worth this much organizations are going to have to listen to him i mean who else are you going to listen to so i look forward to the nothing talent agency becoming a reality in 2018 or the end of this year in general the future of cloud nine is up in the air as far as, as far as i'm concerned people have said that rush is an amazing player Tarek's an amazing player that they're both this sort of upgrade um uh, i don't know those players well enough to really comment on that uh cloud nine obviously put up a really good showing at esl one cologne they came second but they faced NIP and Navi to get there, so it wasn't that difficult. Plus, they sort of got reamed 3-0 in the grand finals by SK. Um, so, obviously, they couldn't reach their potential. They couldn't kind of go any further with his old players. This is, a, this is a positive thing for Cloud9 fans. Shroud and nothing put them on the map, personality-wise. Uh, and if you're excited about how they might actually do in a tournament, then uh, this is a good thing. Let's move on. There's not a huge... I'm not, I'm not big on the NACS scene. It, it always... I don't know. I don't see what the hype is about in terms of a lot of... It could just be that there's more people online who are from the NA region, which is why they get, as far as I'm concerned, more attention than they deserve. Maybe that's the case. Um, let's move on. Penta. All I'm going to say about Penta is they've got four right now because Sunny went to Mouse Sports. I know nothing about Penta. Absolutely jack diddly godsent now dennis has gone to godsent he's left fanatic he's going to be joining twist pronax schneider and disco doplin this is a big step down for dennis big step down as far as i'm concerned well as far as the rankings are concerned on hltv godsent is ranked 31 and fanatic who uh made the quarterfinals of the major is ranked 15 now, what's the thing that people always say about Dennis? That he's a good pistoler. He's good in the pistol rounds. That he's a demon with a USP. Well, is he though? Is he still? Because there was some clips years ago, right? Where he got insane 5Ks on pistol rounds. I've seen them. Everyone knows them. But when I was watching the major, every time there was a pistol round, it was like, oh, look out for Dennis. Uh, but he didn't really impress. I didn't really see him being sort of dominating in the pistol. Um, and look... Maybe there is a Pistol King still inside Dennis. Maybe his teammates started taking him for granted. It's very possible. Uh, and hopefully that identity or, or a new identity will be allowed to be released on Godsend. Dude's got a kid now, apparently. So maybe his identity forming stage is over. And this is all about, uh, I don't know, capitalizing on whatever legacy he's sort of got I don't know I like Dennis he's got a he's got he's got a sympathetic face he seems like a an alright dude but he also looks like a bit of an escaped criminal um anyway I guess his looks don't really have anything to do with with the shuffle Godsend haven't been in my radar for a while but uh who knows maybe the chemistry on this will ignite them again Let's talk about mouse sports. 
now, Mouse Sports have Sticko and Sonny, who replaced uh, Lowell and Dennis. Uh, Dennis, this time, with, an, with only one N. So it might be confusing to you if you're not familiar with these sort of uh, teams, you know, out of the top 10. But uh, this is another dude who should change his name. We had a little talk about uh, the second Nico, who's on Heroic, obviously less famous than the Phase Nico. Um, now, obviously, Dennis, the godsend player, isn't their most famous CSGO player either. But come on, mate. Come on. I mean, not having the second N isn't enough. Because if, if I say my favorite player is Dennis, I'm still going to have to explain... I oh, know it's the Dennis from Mouse Sports and not the Dennis from Godsent. Um, so, keep the D if you like. Dinosaur. Uh, dynasty. Um, donate organs. Um, I don't think uh, improvisation is necessarily my specialty when it comes to names. But there are a few ideas. Obviously, write in and I'll send you 50 more, as I promised to Nico. He hasn't taken me up on that offer yet. Um, now, it's not clear to me what the two players, Lowell and Dennis, are up to now. I did a bit of Googling, but uh, not much came up. Um, now, mouse sports haven't been on my radar either. I think you have to go to people like Thorin for a little more in-depth uh, feedback about those guys. Oscar's obviously had a ripper of a match or a few matches recently uh, in the E-League Season 6 qualifiers. I think they even beat FaZe maybe on one map. Um, so it's possible that this is going to be a good end of the year for them, but we'll see. Let's move on to Hellraiser. is another team that I know sweet fuck all about. Uh, they lost Sticko to Mouse Sports, but they still have Angel, who was rumored to be going to Na'Vi. So they've got Angel Zero Dead Fox at the moment and a couple of players who are on trial. Now, one of these players, his name is spelt capital I-S-S-A-A, all caps. I think it's called, I think you pronounce it Issa or Isa. I don't know. Uh, and the other player is Woxic. Um, so Angel, of course, was basically blocked from going to Na'Vi when Zeus decided to return like the prodigal son. Um, I can only imagine this is quite an awkward situation now in the team. Uh, like what? what's the environment going to be like on that team now really um, rebuilding trust and goodwill basically if, if, even if people are willing that's going to be a long process and like I was mentioning at the start if these guys have options uh, you know why would they all be willing they're all young you know if you catch your girlfriend I don't know going on a date with some other bloke uh, it's a different matter if you're in your 40s to, as opposed to, you know, in your early 20s. These blokes are all in their early 20s. Angel had one foot in another camp there for a while. And actually, it's, it's unclear to me whether Angel did or Navi did. So I, I actually can't completely make assertions about that. But if it was Angel, there's going to be a long road to the current lineup of Hellraisers actually working. Unless Issa or Isa and Woxic turn out to be insanely good. So, moving on to North, who kicked Magisk and brought in Valda, or Valdi, or Valde? I think Valda. Um, now, this is really... This is kind of a weird move, and I'm not the first to say it. Magisk was not the worst player on that team just in terms of what he was doing on the map. Uh, a lot of people say that AZ was the shittest player. Maybe he was. He didn't really register with me. But Magist certainly was not the worst player. But so I guess we have to ask what else was going on. And, and with, obviously without being on their comms all the time or living in their uh, you know, team house. Uh, all I can surmise is, is that this sort of seems like the kind of decision where the guy didn't get picked in the football team purely because he's a bit weird. You know, when you're in high school and maybe the guy's an okay player, but he's just a little bit weird and so no one's kind of picks him. Like even visually, Majisk stands out. He's got a very... Um, he's got a very uh, striking face. I think some people have called him 
tomato. I think. I mean, it's quite cruel, but I think I've heard him say it as well. So maybe, maybe he's okay with it. Um, I know we talk a lot about uh, people's looks on this podcast, but to some extent, uh, there's a lot to be surmised from them, a lot to be drawn from them. Um, Malcolm Gladwell would have something to say about this this kicking, I reckon. But there's some sort of little unconscious confirmation bias at work here, some sort of group think. Um, Jisk obviously had a lot of earnestness. Earnesty? Earnest. Earnestness. Uh, not sure of the actual word, but I will talk about earnestness. <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to remember what the actual right word is and when I finished. I will talk a lot about that uh, when it comes to the toxic play of the week. In the meantime, uh, Valder obviously brought in. People think he's the, the second coming of Christ. Uh, I look forward to seeing North posting more competitive matches. Should this be the case, um, and Valder actually can turn water into wine. Um, so that that's exciting because North always sort of, I don't know, they had this... They've got a really cohesive team... Uh, branding but uh, whenever they're showing up at tournaments they sort of just have been a bit okay all right a bit of a waste of time to watch i've I've felt so look hopefully this will add to the competitiveness of them um let's move on to rush uh sorry uh, optic um i don't really know too much about optic again russian Tarek went to cloud nine but here's the fun thing about optic now we've got alu we got freiburg and we got Majisk, and they're joining Naf and Mixwell, aka the Jeff Goldblum of CS:GO. Seriously, Mixwell, he has he he has the one expression, doesn't he? And it's the same expression as Jeff Goldblum has when he has a drop of water in his hand in um, basically every movie he's ever been in, and he's explaining some sort of scientific concept to some sort of government bureaucrat. Anyway, Naf is standing in for the first week of VSL Pro League, but then he's going to be replaced, which is, um, I guess, a good thing. I've seen at least one clip of him raging, uh, but whatever. Um, I don't know much about him. It's nice, really nice to see Freiburg and Alu playing together again. Basically, these two are the most chilled players in the history of CSGO. I mean, it's almost like they're competing as to who is going to sort of relax the most. Now, all these roster changes has disqualified Optic from the ESL Pro League and DreamHack Malmo, so we won't actually see these guys in a full-on competition for a little while. But gosh, this is a weird-feeling team. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this turns out. It's almost like that table at your school formal that had just that weird collection of people who didn't fit into the groups you know they they weren't quite nerdy enough to be at the nerd table they weren't quite jockey enough to be at the jocks table they weren't badass enough to be at the cool kids table they just sort of fell through the cracks a bit um interesting people all of them uh and spoiler uh i was one of them but uh yeah i mean this could go either way um it would be one of the most enjoyable storylines if it happens to work. Let's move on to Na'Vi. And this is where the real shitstorm of the roster moves begins. You all know all about it now. Uh, This is not news anymore. Guardian left Na'Vi to go to phase. Seas left at the same time. And a Guardian going to phase in and of itself is awesome. And I I think as you know by now, if you've been listening to this podcast, I think Aloe is the most entertaining CS player bar none. Um, above the likes of Pasha, Doja, nothing. Um, actually, I want Alu to have his own talk show, to be honest, up late, up late with Alu, where he just asks someone a question and, and then rips a giant bong hit and then asks if the Red Bulls on the set are able to be drunk. Um, Alu obviously has his brilliant moments, but he was really never going to take FaZe all the way. Uh, and Guardian, I guess, has that potential. Now, what's confusing about the whole leaving of Guardian is that we'd previously had indications that he was the one who was unhappy with the way Zeus got kicked. Uh, and yet the rest of the team have stayed for Zeus's return and even Seized has come back. In what emotional state? I don't know. With his tail between his legs? I don't know. Or with a gleeful smile at having sort of, I don't know, bluffed 
uh, a leave. I'm not sure. Anyway, but the evidence for Guardian sort of being unhappy with the way Zeus was kicked came from a post that Guardian made. And uh, uh, I'm paraphrasing here. I was against kicking of Zeus and so was Edward, but three other teammates who should not be named confronted us as it is a decided thing already. We had no choice. It was either Zeus or others. We all had to adapt about Edward being only one who did not who did want to kick Zeus. That is not necessarily true. Edward is also admitted Zeus's performance is weak and therefore he kind of accepted the change. So Guardian was basically Guardian and Edward were the only ones who didn't want Zeus in and yet the others have stayed and in fact seized came back when Zeus was coming back. So I don't know what's going on here. Uh, this is either a lie of Guardians to make him look good or uh, the Na'vi teammates are now not happy. I'm not sure. It's it's confusing. Um, and then all this stuff came out from Guardian about not actually trying with his team, which I thought made him look quite childish. You've probably seen this now as well. But um, basically, he says, I lost motivation to play in team about one year ago. And he goes on to say that he really only booted up CSGO uh, a few times for Star Ladder and ESL1 Cologne. Um, he says, his year, he, he, my game was restrained by new in-game leaders, seized and new players, simple, about whom everyone was overexcited. Uh, I told Navi I didn't want to continue playing with some specific teammates. Um, I did not want to go through this suffering and I have searched for happiness by playing other games. And then Reddit was graced by the presence of Simple, who came back uh, saying Guardian was a liar and he'd been lying to his team. To quote, yeah, we had two boot camps and both times we were four on the boot camp. And the most funny thing, the most funny thing that he lied to team for one year and he's still doing this now to his fans and people who follow CS. Now I'm really fucking confused. Who's telling the truth and who's lying? You know, I, I, you know, I, I can almost believe that Guardian is lying considering his comments. Uh, excuse me. Considering his comments about how he'd been practicing, which are obviously exaggerated. Uh, you really booted up CSGO twice? Surely your team would have kicked you. Or, or, or you would have gone, oh, my, my life's kind of... Obviously, I'm living a lie. Ridiculous. What I really hope is that Guardian mans the fuck up. Takes on this new opportunity as a real chance to prove himself again and realizes that he's responsible for his own happiness. Now, I'm going to go back to this relationship analogy because... That's the vibe of this podcast. When we're in a relationship, it's very easy to begin to think the other person or the team is sort of responsible for our situation, especially if the boundaries between those people are weak. Um, it's almost as if like because we've all signed contracts and agreed to be there and made a promise to try our best to make it work, that those other people have the same expectations as we do. But I guarantee you in the Navi contracts, there are not stipulations about the day-to-day things, perhaps peripheral to CS about how each of them will support each other emotionally or how they'll interact around practice. Now, some of Guardian's comments strike me as someone who wasn't really taking responsibility for his own future, and that is immature. Instead of getting out of it, he was also asking... Sorry, instead of getting out of it, um, he was asking Navi to lower his salary, in his own words. And that is a literal definition of someone who... Um, of someone who says to like uh, someone else who they're breaking up with, it's not you, it's me. Right? It's like it's it's like the kind of thing like a teenage girl would say if she doesn't want to face up to reality in some sort of way. Um now also when we're saying that his game was restrained by C's as the new IGL and simple about who everyone was overexcited. What a what a what an immature jab there. It seems like someone who was not speaking his mind and simply was being dishonest for too long. Now uh, to give him the benefit of the doubt, he may not have known how he actually felt. And sometimes that's the case, right? We want something so bad. We really want a team to work and we're in denial about the reasons it might not be. And that's a valid thing, especially when we're young. Uh, he's what, 26? I mean, we live in the age of an extended adolescence. The guy plays computer games for a living. He's not interacting with a whole raft of other people on a regular basis. Therefore, his emotional maturity is not expected to be 
you know, where it might be expected to be. Were we a generation prior, uh, perhaps, or was he? Were he? You know, did he have a a more social job, perhaps? We've always got to keep this stuff in mind. Um, and you know, this is all assertions. This is all assumptions. This is all just conclusions reached by a bunch of scattered online postings. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I really like Guardian by the way. I think he seems like a nice guy and uh, he got married recently, which was nice for him. As for the return of Zeus, I think this is basically nuts, partly because Seas does come back, um, which I kind of mentioned before, but I guess... Oh, look, I don't know. I'm so confused. What are Edward and Flamey supposed to think now? That Seas was willing to walk from them but has decided to stay just because Zeus is back with the coach. It's a bit like the, um, the angel scenario. Like, awkward. He walked out on you guys. Um, and he's only come back presumably because Zeus has decided to come back or he didn't get a, another offer. I don't know. I just don't see this team. I don't know. I, it seems there's something toxic at the heart of this all. Um, and yeah, okay. Zeus is obviously a major talent, obviously did great things with Gambit, but it's like when you start a relationship off, um, like, like if you meet a girl and she's with someone else and or, or let's say she's married um, and you get together while she's married and you break up the marriage and then you start a relationship. That relationship is never going to work because it started off on a, on a, on a place of dishonesty uh, and a lack of integrity. And that was how Zeus was originally kicked. And the way he's come back in strikes me that something similar has sort of gone on. I don't know. I remember seeing the video of his family watching them win the major and seeing all the Navi jerseys behind, like literally in his bedroom behind his TV screen, like given the sort of the wall of prominence. So the kids, obviously, the kid, the the young man, the guy has obviously had it, uh, had it in the back of his mind that he'd uh, been wanting to go back or else Navi's just the most important thing for him. Um, so this leads us into Gambit. Uh, and now everyone's really down on Gambit's chances of becoming a team that actually sort of has any more success. But I don't really know about that. Like, was Zeus really that important? Like, if we say no, then obviously they've still got a chance at success. If we say yes, um, then perhaps the case may be that he's taught them a bunch of stuff, Right. Um, Hobbit and Adren are great players. There's a cohesion there and an experience level now they didn't used to have. The, I'm sure Zeus has taught them a lot. And there's no reason to think they would simply go back to the results they were posting before the major. Having won it means a hell of a lot. And yes, they didn't win it <clears throat> by defeating everybody who was the toughest teams, but they did defeat Astralis. That's a big deal. And the confidence and the game sense that you get from winning a tournament like that is huge let's go back to the relationship analogy right if you're with an amazing person you get married you have a good period together then that person bails and let's say goes back to their ex now unless your house is entirely built on sand and you are completely in a codependent relationship with that person and your personality was basically based on what they sort of wanted from you and what you sensed they wanted from you uh, and you were sort of your emotions were at there uh, were sort of tied to to how they were feeling. You go, you know what? That's a narcissistic asshole, right? They were in a relationship with me under the premise that turned out to be false, and all the time they were still thinking about going back to their ex. Now, even at the moment of the majors, Zeus was saying, "I've won." I don't know if you guys remember this, but when he was on stage, he's like, "I won the major." He never ever included the rest of the team in that. And the moment he got the trophy, he'll, he held it up. He wasn't even looking at the rest of the team. So if Gambit have any self-respect, this is the beginning of a new era for them, whether or not the anger at Zeus fuels them. Um, now, did they want to get rid of the coach? I don't know. But the net result is the same. Gambit are now a team to be reckoned with. And you heard it here first. I don't see them going away anytime soon. Moving on, Fnatic... We've seen the departure from Fnatic of Olaf Meister and Dennis. So this is the end of an era for sure. And they brought in Golden and Lecro. Now, Golden came from Fnatic Academy. He's going to be the new IGL, which is such good news. And I'm just going to return to my 
shallow commentary on the CSGO pro scene by mentioning that Golden looks like a really nice guy. Doesn't he have that just that vibe about him? Like he's humble? Like he's a good leader because he's actually approachable? God, I'm making assumptions, but um, I've never even seen him, uh, seen him play. But a good IGL is what Fnatic have needed for so long. I want to see JW off the leash with a good leader. Like, off the leash. Although Lecro I know very little about. Um, although I know he's played for Fnatic before. I think during the Swedish Shuffle uh, of 2016 when God sent Fnatic swap players for a bit. Uh, that didn't work out and they all went back to their original spots. Now, Lecro... Just a little bit of triv. Lecro's name, his real name is actually Jonas Olofsson or Jonas Olofsson. So it's good to know that they've ditched Olaf for his son. Um, I'm actually very excited to see Fnatic play in some comps now. Sorry about that joke. That's really bad. If this was a relationship, yeah, we're going to go back to that. That's what this podcast is about. If this was a relationship, Fnatic was like the couple who were amazing in the past. Think... Um, I don't know, Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron, uh, the beginnings of their careers. These guys won a fucking Oscar together, right? Turned each other into professionals, took the ne- took their game to the next level. Um, but then all the pressure was too much. You know, they split, they went off with other partners and after a while realized how gray life was and how much work it might be to find someone who gave them that extra spark and on an impulse, they get back together just to see, you know, just to see if the magic's still there. And they realize you can't turn back time. You can't unsay the shit that's been said. And people keep nasty stuff inside them always. Because you can forgive, right? But you can never forget. And looking at the past as something that can be repeated already spells defeat. The moment JW and Flusher went back to Fnatic, it was death. It was death. We need to look at the good times as a gift before the learning happened and the learning as a stepping stone to the next thing. Oh, God, it's getting personal and you guys have no idea. All right. <clears throat> now let's, uh, let's go into phase. My favorite team. Now my even more favorite team. <laughs> like, can this be the biggest super team of all time or what? This is awesome. I'm so excited about this team. Uh, you all know by now they kicked Kiyoshima and Alu for Olaf, Meister, and Guardian. Firstly, can I say, Kiyoshima, I'm very sad about this. I cringed at his selfies on Instagram, but I thought the guy was a fantastic support player. And as I've banged on about here before, he just had this amazing mobility in the game. Like, ah, oh, I just, oh, I was constantly impressed by his mobility. Where's he going to go now? There's been rumors about G2, Envious, other French teams. Uh, Envious would be a step down, obviously. I'm not sure who he would replace on G2, perhaps Apex. Um, right now, he's in a limbo, and my heart goes out to him. He was on a fucking amazing team, and he was obviously having a blast. And I think he was... Uh, as far as I could tell, he was suitably reserved in his demeanor for the superstars to sort of shine in that team. So... Whether replacing him with Olaf Meister is the right thing, I'm not sure. Much has been said about the confusion around the roles on this new phase. Who's going to play what? Who the hell is going to play the support? There seems to be very little clear hierarchy with so many star players. And this could be a a case of, uh, on paper, things just being so overpowered that it's too much. By that, I mean everyone's going for the peaks, right? Everyone's going for the plays. Everyone's going for the entries. Everyone goes, oh, I can take bathrooms. There's very little watching each other's backs, flashing for each other. What I think is going to happen is that Olaf, being the experienced statement in this scenario, statesman, I should say, he's not the oldest, but he's certainly the most decorated. He's really going to have to be the support player. He really is. Rain, these days, is just beasting. And he's beasting harder and harder each month. Uh, And he's young. And yeah, Carrigan and Guardian, they're the oldest. But at least Guardian has a very defined role. At least the two of them have a very defined role. Now, FaZe have already played in this new lineup as of the recording of this podcast. They've had some mixed results in the ESL Pro League Season 6. In fact, 
almost topsy-turvy results. One game, Rain will top frag, and then he'll bottom frag the next. One game, Guardian will top frag, and then he'll post like five kills the next game. So the guys obviously don't have their strats down yet or consistent roles. And as I've hinted at before, I'm, I don't have that much confidence in Carrigan as an IGL. I think he's a little too relaxed. He's a little too uh, easygoing. Uh, I think the guy's a fun personality and obviously very dedicated. But now he's wrangling a whole lot more shit. And uh, look, maybe that's maybe that's the best thing. Maybe with you know the extra talent and the extra experience, he's not going to have to be that wrangler. And uh, he can just sort of let his guys off the leash. But we'll see. Um, I see this kind of scenario as, you know, if we're going to put this in the relationship terms again, it's like two people, right, who, who don't know each other, the hottest people in their social circles. And they've looked around, they've seen what's on offer and realized that their market value is higher than everyone else's in their, in their social circle, right? And then a friend goes, you know, I know someone really hot you could date. And the two of them get set up. And instead of being the perfect match, well, they get together and they have some dates and whatever, and maybe they find, even find themselves dating, or maybe they even find themselves in a relationship or, or, or even a marriage. But after a little while, things start to feel a little less fulfilled. You know, there's a little bit of an easiness because they're not feeling as special as they used to feel. There isn't the polarities that make a relationship dynamic. Some of us in life, we like to lead, right? And some of us like to be led. Generally, it's the man leading. Generally, it's the woman being led, but not always. Both of these roles give us particular pleasure at different times. And if you're a headstrong, opinionated guy, and you've ever dated a girl who needed to be in charge, you know what I'm talking about. Your headbutt. Someone has to yield. It doesn't have to be her. It doesn't have to be him. But someone has to. Now, if you've got Olaf Meister, Rain, and Nico, and Guardian, all perfectly capable of making openings uh, on any side of the map. Well, where's the polarity? You know, I can see how that would work as a team against a weaker team or an intimidated team. But when you go up against someone like SK, whose team cohesion is just flawless, and that's particularly in the way they support each other, I don't know, you're going to have to work some serious shit out before you become competitive with that sort of a team. So... Extremely, extremely excited about the new phase, almost to the point of uh, um, physical agitation. Uh, but it remains to be seen whether the gamble's going to pay off. So it's time for the toxic play of the week. And this has sort of become toxic player of the week. Uh, in a, in a sort of anonymous bullying sort of way, but whatever. So I had this game with this guy called Steve. Uh, uh, this is actually a few weeks ago now, shortly after I recorded episode six. His name was Steve's, S-T-E-E-V-S. And this guy, absolute classic. This is a typical late night game. Uh, you know, it's like, I don't know, midnight or something. I don't know why the later you go with MM, the more trolls you attract. Um, I don't know. I guess the reasonable people or the more mature people have sort of gone to bed because they need to wake up for jobs or whatever. Um, anyway, there was very little on the mics from other players and I decided in my stupidity to just keep calling things, you know? Uh, two banana, one's pushing arch, etc. cetera. Um, and God damn it, when am I going to learn that if... When other people are not using the mics, chances are they don't want to hear from me, right? They're either they're either in their own sort of Discord channel or their own team speak, or they just don't give a fuck, or they're trolling or whatever. So pretty soon, this guy Steve starts standing in front of me, following me around the map, and just standing in front of me, you know, wherever I'm looking. I'm sure you guys have experienced this sort of troll before. Um, so I asked him how he was and what he wanted from me. And why he wasn't getting the attention that he needed in life. Uh, stupid. Stupid me. Doubling down on the sincerity. Obviously, I'm not insane enough to think that psychoanalysis uh, can occur between two players over chat. 
in a Counter-Strike match uh, midnight on Inferno. But uh, there was nothing really insincere about what I said. In fact, it seemed to me that sincerity was what caused this guy to troll me in the first place. And you know what it reminded me of? Like when you're a child, right, and you kill an ant. I, I, when I was a kid, I used to go down the front path, path of my uh, house and there was a, an ant's nest among the dirt, amongst the dirt. And I used to spend hours sort of poking at it with a stick and, I don't know, just generally terrorizing them. So when you're, an ant, when you're a child and you kill an ant, it's basically like an extension of your own lack of stability and knowledge about the world, or what, about the world right? Um, you're still learning about the effects of your actions. And an ant is something that has its own agenda to like an almost bizarre degree. There's very little actually that we interact with that has such a single-mindedness about it. Even a bird, you know, is reacting and shifting its goals uh, in a very visible way. But you look at an ant, it's got one thing on its mind and one thing only, regardless of what you put in its path, regardless of how you burn it with a match or, you know, try and burn it with a, a magnifying glass or pour water on it. You can stand in its way. It's going to achieve what it's setting out to achieve if it dies, if it kills it, right? Anyway, this guy, Steve, he didn't seem that young. He wasn't a five-year-old. He was mid-20s, maybe. Um, and obviously, him and his friend found it hilarious that uh, I was taking his mental health seriously. Um, but I was continuing to frag, and I had quite a good game regardless of what he was doing. And eventually, he got bored the same way a child uh, gets bored with ants when he eventually realizes he has no agency over them other than the physical, and that there's no satisfaction to be gained from that it's a shame there's so many males in australia who are still learning that childhood lesson in their 20s oh, i feel like there's a there's a i feel like there's a part in all of these podcasts now where i just still have a long sigh we got some upcoming tournaments now the proceeds getting back into the swing of it looking forward to it I'm going to have something to watch while I cook. That's where I watch my CSGO. We're at the DreamHack Masters Malmo, August 30th till September 3rd. And the interesting thing about this is they're allowing coaches to talk to players during halftime and tactical pauses and freeze time in every round. This is exciting. This is exciting. This is a good thing. Now we have someone who's outside the game, like it used to be, talking to the players and giving them an overview of what they're doing. I don't know if you're like me, but uh, I just watched the Mayweather-McGregor fight. And gosh, part of the fun of the fight is watching the coaches try to communicate with the fighter and seeing their reaction. And it just gives it that extra dimension, you know? It gives the fight that extra level of excellence. And that's why we go and see a boxing match, because they're supposedly the best at what they do. And they're obviously made so much better by having a coach. So hopefully this is going to uh, catch on and the coaching rule will come back into effect. We've also got uh, the Mykonos Tour coming up September 7th till September 10th. We've got the E-League CSGO Premier 2017. That's September 8th till the 1st, I believe. And no, not the 1st. No, it's September 8th. It's $1 million dollars. And prize money. That's what the one means. I'm just looking at some notes here. Uh, we've got Dreamhack, uh, Dreamhack Open Montreal. That's the 8th to the 10th. Uh, and we have ESL One New York on the 16th to the 17th. Now, here's some good news for all you listeners who live in New York. I have two tickets to ESL One New York and I can't use them. So, if you want these tickets, let me know. Drop me a line. And... Uh, I think I can transfer them to you. Yeah, that should work. Um, I hope you... Uh, I'm not sure whether you'd have to produce some sort of identification, but I'm sure we could work it out somehow. Um, this might ev- mightn't even be legal, me giving these away as a prize. It just occurred to me, but I don't think there, there's too much harm that's caused by it. Um, obviously, I will look more... Uh, benevolently upon anyone who's 
um, also able to tweet the show or share it in some other regard because uh, the show's not really... I don't really put the show out there too much. So if you can share it with your friends and let me know and and uh, email me the, the truth at gmail.com. I'll get you those tickets somehow. We'll work it out. Even if it means, I don't know, posing as me at the ESL1 event. We'll see. Last but not least, no, second last but not least, we have a video that I found called CSGO 5 Psychology Tips to Get Better which I thought was really good. Google it. it. It did have a brief run on the front page of CSGO Reddit, but in case you missed it, it's on YouTube and it's made by a guy called Tell Me About Gaming, all one word, Tell Me About Gaming. It's called CSGO 5 Psychology Tips to Get Better. Now, psychology to me, in my book, is the most important unspoken thing about CSGO. My mood determines basically how well I play and that's far and above how much I warm up or how my aim's doing at the time um, and sometimes even who my teammates are. So check this out because it's actually quite, uh, a nice little pricey on ways to sort of be mindful of your own psychology while you're playing. Finally, and if any of what I've said at the start of this podcast about relationships has resonated with you, or you're going through a tough time, perhaps you're in a rough patch with your partner, I wanted to share something that's helped me recently. You know, maybe you're in a rough patch with CSGO, maybe you're playing it too much and you want to stop. Maybe you're not playing it enough and you need to practice more. Maybe you're trying to become a pro and you're not sure whether you've got it in you or you're not sure whether you've got the dedication or you can't convince the people around you that this is the best thing for you and you're going to have to just press on without their approval or their blessing. Either way, you're having a hard time making a change or you're coping with change that has been thrust upon you. This is for you. A friend sent it through and told me to listen to it with my eyes closed and it really helped. So I ask you to do the same. If, it, if, if, if this sounds interesting to you, if you kind of get where I'm going with this, I listened to it while running on loop uh, and it sort of helped me through this roster change in my life. This was uploaded to, a, to YouTube by a guy called Ranger Jesse Motivation. So if you like it, let him know and I'll see you for the next episode. Enjoy. It is not the movement of the clock that produces the newness of life. It is the movement in your mind. You're going to hear all kinds of things said about you. Throw it behind you. The enemies that you see today, you will see them no more. No weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Every tongue that rises against you, God will condemn. This is my time. The truth of the matter is everybody in here is going through a change. You don't have to be ashamed of yours. We are all in the process of transforming to a higher, better expression of myself. Let this be the year that I birth a higher, better expression of myself. Don't let the habits of my past stop me from this metamorphosis. New year, new me. New year, new me. What separates us is transformation. The possibility of change. The desire to evolve. The passion to get up off the ground and stop eating dirt. I'm, I'm tired of doing what I used to do. If I always do what I've always done, I'll always be where I've always been. I'm going to throw it behind me. Somebody in this room that, that nobody would think would be in a church tonight, but you drew them to this place tonight because you want them to be a new me and a new year and have a new attitude and a new mind because the real battleground is in your mind. That's 
where the fight is. You lay down with it. You get up with it. You go to work with it. You can't digest your food because of it. Smiling in front of people and nobody knows that there's gunfire going off in your head. It's not a geographical location. It's not debt. It's not money. It's not haters. It's not enemies. It's not liars. It's not backbiters. That's not the battleground. Stop wasting your weapons on what people say because it is not what they say about you that matters. It is what you say about you that threatens your destiny. You will never be defeated by what they say about you. You will be defeated by what you say about you. I dedicate this to you, to the greatness in you, and to the dream that you showed up on the planet to produce. And it's simply this, if you want a thing bad enough to go out and fight for it, to work day and night for it, to give up your time, your peace, and your sleep for it, if all that you dream and scheme is about it, and life seems useless and worthless without it, and if you gladly sweat for it and fret for it and plan for it, and lose all your terror of the opposition for it, and if you simply go after that thing that you want with all of your capacity, strength and sagacity, faith, hope and confidence, and stern pertinacity, if neither cold poverty, famish or gulf, sickness or pain of body and brain can keep you away from the thing that you want, if dogged and grim, you besiege and beset it. With the help of God, you'll get you it. You have greatness in you. What I'm trying to tell you, beloved, is that you can have a new year, but it don't mean Jack Diddley if you don't have a new mind. I'm telling you that you can buy a new car but if you put the old man in a new car, you're still gonna have the old experience. I'm telling you that a new house doesn't make a new marriage. I'm talking about a new outfit doesn't make you a new person. And if you think you are magically gonna be a new person, I hate to be the bearer of bad news because new life comes from a new mind and a new way of looking at your life. I cannot step into the future and still think in my past. I cannot let the rumors and the stain of what they said about me destroy my opportunity. Slap somebody and tell them I gotta kill it tonight. I gotta destroy it tonight. I gotta get rid of it tonight. I gotta throw it behind me tonight. I can't drag that same old mess into another year.